Hello, this is Dan Kalak, member of the Palma Band of Lusanio Indians and the Chief Medical Officer for Indian Health Council over the past 19 years. Miyum. May we all wonder and be blessed by the energy created by the life around us, perpetuated and created from our ancestors and their ancestors for time immemorial. We recognize the Creator's hand is all that we see, feel, think, and do here on Earth and in our short existence. We treasure our time together and we wish each other peace, happiness, and long life. For love, health, time is all we have here on Earth. We relish our bodies, minds, spiritual being, and our consciousness, drinking in our reality with the ones we love and making a good place for our people is paramount. For our Earth, our animal brothers and sisters on Earth, the ocean, the sea, and the unseen that share our space, we treasure your existence. For our children we love, live, and last one more day, if not for ourselves, but for our generations to come forever now on Earth and to the universe end. Michonne Lovick. Welcome to the IHC What About Life podcast. Today is our lucky day. We have the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. IHC, the logo. Dr. Dan Clack is in the building. Doc, thanks for taking the time. How you doing? Doing great today. Thanks for letting me come out today. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, I missed the last one, but I've heard it. And uh, did you? I don't see the rock. So we're, we're about business today, huh? <laughs> all got business. The, got the computers. Got the brain. <laughs> got you guys. That's all I need. So we're we're uh, we're, we're talking some serious stuff, though. So uh, I, I want to re- really uh, thank you for taking the time to come out. Yes, Pre- appreciate it. So we're talking vaccines today, right? We're talking vaccines. We're with the Dr. C, we're in the PI team, Art and Marissa and George. Uh, Dr. C, we want to open the floor for you. Um, any specific ones or are we going straight into the... Yeah, you know, we can actually start with a small, you know, introduction because, yes. you know, a lot of people who think uh, about, you know, vaccine as a, top, as a topic, you know, immediately think about, you know, COVID vaccines. Right. And I think the next thing they kind of think about is uh, vaccine exemptions. And then the next thing they think about, depending on who they are, and that's why we have a couple parents in the room, is uh, my child's vaccines. And uh, whether they're uh, very young or they're older going into grade school and, and what that all kind of means in terms of current vaccine. And now even, even more recently, we have the monkeypox and the potential for vaccine there. And what that means to different people. Um, I am 56, and so uh, that means something different to probably a lot of people in this room in terms of the monkeypox vaccine and protection against monkeypox. So vaccines is huge. There's all kinds of things that we can really talk about. But um, those are the things that kind of come to mind right away in terms of you know, COVID, childhood vaccines, monkeypox vaccines, and yeah. what it means to different age groups. I just saw um, a commercial on the meningitis vaccine. Mm-hmm. Is that a vaccine that they're they're put, putting out? Yes. Yeah, I had pneumococcal spinal meningitis when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and that's how I lost my hearing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I'm like thinking, do I need to go get my kids vaccinated? Do I need to, do they need to get that? And then I brought them in, and uh, um, Doc said they're all caught up, they're good. So so um, 
Yeah, there's vaccines all over the place. There's all kinds. Yeah, and the you know vaccines, especially in American Indian populations, is you know very interesting. Um, for those people listening today, um, uh, the American Indian population, Alaska Native population, and many other indigenous populations have really been behind the times in terms of access to health care, uh, health dis- high um, and large health disparities. So it um, it's uh, it's really significant to note that the American Indians um, uh, uh, in the early 70s, 60s, I believe, the dates may be a little wrong, played a pivotal part in the development of the Haemophilus influenza vaccine. And so that vaccine was was uh, utilized and, and uh, implemented in American Indian populations in the Midwest. And the uh, the importance of that vaccine has saved millions of lives in terms of children. And Haemophilus influenza, in particular, it's a vaccine you typically get at uh, two months, four months, and six months. Six months, And then Haemophilus influenza is a bacteria, and that bacteria uh, usually uh, provides uh, or can infect small children, um, causing them to have... Um, uh, ear infections, and uh, sometimes in more severe cases, meningitis. Where they have, that's a meningitis is an infection of the brain. So those children have um, uh, have protected after that that uh, that uh, third dose of Haemophilus influenza. So um, American Indians have, you know, because of their outreach efforts and the fact that they uh, were a part of a group that initially tested the Haemophilus influenza, and that was done not necessarily as a testing group, but more the fact that Haemophilus influenza was so predominant in American Indian populations um, uh, for a variety of reasons that we don't need to go into here, but the fact is that it was it was a, an important uh, public health um, uh, implement, uh, implemented behavior or um, program to make sure that lives were not lost um, with, the, with these vaccines. And as a result, many lives were saved and as a, a, a follow-up for that, many, many millions of lives have been saved um, even today because that's a very common childhood vaccine that we get at two, uh, two months, four months, and then uh, here at uh, 12 months. Going off of that, what you just said with child vaccines, how important it is? How important is it to stay on a strict schedule with getting those vaccines? You know, that's a great question, uh, Marissa, because uh, in I've been here uh, at the clinic, um, so I can make, I should make a little introduction for those people who are not familiar with myself. So uh, my name, of course, is Dan Kalak, Dr. Kalak, and I'm a pediatrician and an internist, meaning that I see children and I see adults. And then I also provide some hospice services to the community. And um, it's been a wonderful opportunity and honor actually to provide that care to the children here in the community in the um, the importance of childhood vaccines is is important because over the past 20 years, we've seen more people declining or deferring vaccines. Um, some people deciding not to have any vaccines at all. Some people deferring them and having them uh, on a different program. And there are accommodations that you can uh, actually incorporate to get uh, certain vaccines. Um, the uh, take-home message of that to your question is that, and this is a, a very common um, approach I use with parents, which you know helps them kind of maybe understand uh, why the vaccines need to be given at earlier ages. So much the same reason why um, your child does not talk when they're immediately born, or they cannot walk when they're immediately born, is because those muscles and those nerves have not developed yet. The immune system is the same way. The immune system um, is you know working, but just like you can't walk, the immune system is not as robust and developed as it is when you're an adult. 
So because of that, uh, small children are prone to some of these opportunistic diseases like haemophilus, haemophilus influenza, like we just spoke about, pneumococcal um, uh, bacteria that uh, the kids commonly get, hepatitis B, which is a virus, uh, diphtheria uh, and pertussis that we typically see. Even here locally um, in our group in North County, we have uh, anywhere from 20 to 40 cases of uh, a pertussis or whooping cough uh, every, every year. And so uh, it's important to give the vaccines um, when they're indicated. And there's some leeway, um, more or less, but the, uh, the CDC and other agencies have uh, tested the effectiveness of the vaccine. And right when you get a vaccine and you get the next vaccine, it's right that time when the vaccine starts to wane. And again, it's because the system, the immune system is not as fully developed to uh, protect the child. That's why you give the vaccine to boost the immunity and to protect the child so they don't um, get uh, a, uh, uh, the infection that the um, bacteria may, may cause. And just to end that point, uh, the importance of the vaccines at certain uh, times of the uh, of the childhood's life. We just had our more recent first polio case. Um, I think it was on the East Coast, and that we've seen in geez, probably three or four decades. So oh, wow, it's uh, it's it's still out there. It's uh, um, it's something that we definitely have to contend with. Mm -hmm. Wow. A lot of information in the process. And I apologize, I did a terrible job at the introduction. No. Sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, just a, a huge topic. Um, so where do, we, where do we go from there? I think, I think the big topic is, is COVID. I think it's it, not as big as it was maybe a year or two ago. Um, but, but I think sticking on the lines of, of, of child vaccines, uh, Marissa, you're probably closer to the, to the child vaccine world. <laughs> is, there, is there rules that you have when, like, like, you know, I remember the, the treasure box and things like that. Is there rules you guys have to, to entice us to get these vaccines? Like, are you allowed to have the treasure box there? Or, you know, is there incentives that you're, you're not allowed to do to get vaccines? Or can you just get, get us the vaccine by any means? Um, I think uh, that, that's actually the $64,000 question in terms of like making sure that the parent, the child um, is comfortable with getting the vaccines. And it's all about education. You know, many times we have doctors kind of coming in or providers kind of coming in and saying, okay, you're going to get your shots today. And then when they don't get them, the, and the, people, and the, the parents like, well, I'm not doing it. And then the provider gets angry, you know, so like, well, why not? And then... That, you know, it just makes the parent oh, feel the, bad, the parent right? Decides not to get right. the shot. Okay, yeah, and and even actually even further on, when you're uh, older as a teenager, you know, we offer the uh, human papillomavirus yeah, HPV. HPV vaccines, which is actually it's HPV you know week this week, so a big push for Ooh. HPV. It's a huge thing that we with, want to with, get out. Is that for male and female or just female? Male and female. Okay, yeah, we can okay. talk about that a little later because that's that almost deserves like a whole extra hour. Okay, but the, <laughs> got uh, it. But uh, yeah, it's it's about you know the treasure chest, the toy box, mm -hmm. and the comfort level, making sure that the kids are are okay. And of course, when they're two, four, and six, you know they're not you know saying like I don't want the vaccine. But the parent <laughs> should actually sit down. And and many times when I sit down with those parents and I and explain it just like I have been explaining to you about the importance of the vaccine, mm -hmm. what the vaccine is for, what the, how many vaccines are actually getting, they're like oh. Okay, and if there's still hesitancy, then I'm and then they're like, well, can I just give like two or three? I go, yeah, these are the ones I would give your child um, that um, that they're most likely to kind of uh, contract now. And 
of course, they're going to con- they are at, at risk for contracting all the ones we're giving, but uh, we're working with the clients. But it is important for the for the parents to really take the, and the child to get the accepted vaccines at the accepted times. Uh, Marissa, I'm totally just reliving those memories where yeah. you take your poor kid in there and they're just <laughs> skipping along. And, you know, I was working at the clinic, everyone, oh, Georgia kid, oh, there's so-and-so, they're so cute. And the kids are just so proud walking down the hallway. And then they're saying hi to everybody, auntie, because they go into the room and they're just glowing. And then and then slowly, like, here comes the needle and the kids <laughs> kind of like, the smile kind of like, whoa. And then you're like, <laughs> you and the nurse got this, like, coat. And then, like, finally, once the kid catches on, they're like, they're like, all hands on deck. <laughs> they're like, whoa, 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 dad, dad, whoa, this ain't cool. So what's going on? And then all of a sudden, it's happening. <laughs> Just go, do it, get it done. Yeah, and you know that that I'm glad you I'm brought so that up. I'm so cruel that I'm laughing, but no, and then you poke, and then the way home, it's like they, it's like how could you? It's like we betrayed them. That's like ice cream. That's like the, yeah, that's <laughs> right. No, the sticker. It's a lollipop, right? That they just throw at you. Yeah, yeah. it's like the first time that we betrayed them as parents. Yeah. <laughs> well, for actually, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I mean, for the parents listening, oh, um, you know, after practicing for 20 years, you know, that's. That that's like the number one thing. I don't know what it is with parents, you know, myself included, and I've actually I've never used this, um, so I never try to use two things. Like, uh, you'll get ice cream or candy, right? If you get yeah. your shots, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, don't please don't offer them candy or ice cream, uh, or if they're not behaving, uh, do you want a shot? And then the kid oh, yeah. really oh, quiets wow. down. Yeah. I want a shot. And, we'll and, <laughs> and I've never actually, you know, uh, uh, you know, talked to a parent about that. Body stuff at home. I've I've always you know just kind of you know I'll adjust with them later, but oh, but uh, yeah it's it's I mean people in general are, are afraid of vaccines. I am not needles. afraid of any vaccines or needles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it probably all started with my mother. God rest her soul. Um, oh. Every five to seven years, she would come out and provide me with a tetanus booster. I remember one particular day, I was in L.A. after working at a urgent care doing a night shift. She met me because I'm going to go to lunch. She goes, I have your tetanus shot. She gave it to me right there in the parking lot <laughs> in LA. I'm like, oh, thanks, mom. And, but, um, back in those days, you still had to get it in the booty, huh? The, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> back in the day, no, no. It was in the arm back in LA. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's an important point. So oh, for the parents man. listening, yeah, it's, uh, you know, Offer them like a, a book or, you know, like a trip to Disneyland or, oh, Disney, yeah. or you know, going to the oh, beach man. or having a picnic or, but oh, yeah, don't geez. threaten them with a shot because that always just makes their job, uh, you know, harder when they actually come back and like, oh my gosh, I'm going to the doctor because I'm going to get a shot. And there's <laughs> yeah, that association. For sure. And, uh, you know, it is torture for, for Dr. Students. C, uh, how about, uh, can you talk a little bit about vaccines for our elder population? Is there certain ones that they should be getting? Yes, and so uh, that's a great point. And so I will. Um, I'm, I'm okay with breaking a little of my HIPAA. Um, so, uh, so I said yeah. I'm 56, and so I uh, needed to get a tetanus booster, and I have uh, a little asthma, so I want to get a pneumococcal vaccine because uh, I could be at risk for pneumonia. And then I wanted to get a, uh, sh- a shingles vaccine to protect against shingles or. Um, a zoster, which the uh, uh, was the uh, older vaccine. It's a, a virus that can cause shingles, which is a painful rash that typically people after age 50 might get mm-hmm. because of, again, waning immune systems. Um, the immune system doesn't work as well as we age, just like our joints and like the rest of our bodies, they wear out. So um, as we get older, those are the vaccines that uh, we would typically uh, offer our clients 
tetanus boosters every seven to 10 years, or after a dirty wound, if they're involved in a car crash and there's some dirt in, in the wound. I'll touch about that on that a second, another second actually, because it's an interesting story. The uh, uh, shingles vaccine, or Shinrix, is the one we offer here, which is a recombinant vaccine. It's it's uh, it's a vaccine that's actually better because initially we came out with a, a different vaccine that um, was um, uh, the one of the initial ones they came out with called Zostavax, and so now we've switched to a Shinrix. And so even if you've had the initial vaccine um, against shingles, you still want to get the other one that came out, and they can go ahead and give that one as well. And the last one is a pneumococcal vaccine. And uh, that one, Pneumovax 23, and there's also Pneumovax um, 13 that came out. And so they're always coming out with new vaccines. It's a reason why we continue to live as long as we have. Um, it's, a, it's a reason why we have uh, decreased disease uh, prevalence uh, uh, or incidence in our, in our community of pneumonia, of uh, shingles, um, of, uh, of, um, of uh, whooping cough, and or tetanus. And so it's, uh, these vaccines are very important, even in our older years, um, throughout our lifetime, actually, because uh, we want to make sure that you're getting your vaccines um, through your adolescence and through your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and even as you get older, it's important. Now, a quick comment on the uh, tetanus vaccine. So many times uh, people um, uh, say, uh, you know, I don't need a tetanus vaccine. I haven't stepped in any rusty nails right. or I haven't shot any nails. And so actually tetanus is a uh, spore that lives in the ground. And so in dirty wounds, meaning that if you were uh, involved in a car crash and you were thrown from the car, if you um, were um, in, on a motorbike and you had a lot of dirt in your wound, if you were gardening and you had a, uh, a deeper cut with some dirt in the wound, of course, the first thing is, you know, everyone tells you is to wash it out. That hurts because you got to scrub it out, get every little piece of dirt out because you can't really see the spores, the tetanus spores that are there. They're, they're dormant. And so once they get in into an environment, they actually um, um, uh, grow again and they can cause you to have um, uh, uh, a tetanus disease or lockjaw. People are more familiar with lockjaw. Um, but the... Um, the, the significance of uh, here in the reservation is that many of the tetanus cases kind of follow the um, old uh, herding patterns, uh, follow um, uh, cows, because uh, tetanus uh, is passed through a cow's or a gastrointestinal tract, and where there's cow droppings, basically, where there was a lot of cows in the past, there's a lot, a lot, like a lot of tetanus spores um, in, the, in the ground. So Indian reservations, that's you know, a lot of cows there. That's why we have cattle guards, right, everywhere. So if you're on the reservation, you get a dirty wound, you want to make sure your tetanus booster is up to date. It's not about the rusty nail. The rusty nail kind of comes in because there could be dirt on that old rusty nail that's been mm -hmm. out and exposed. But it's more about the dirty wound that we're, uh, that we're concerned about. Um, caveat to that actually is if, if there is a rusty nail, because it's a puncture wound, these spores grow best in uh, deep uh, uh, wounds. And so with uh, whatever dust is on top of a nail, I mean, it's not really the rust. It's more the uh, the dust and the dirt so that's on the nail. So when someone gets a wound, they should get a tetanus shot? Or do they get one regularly or like every five years or something? Yeah, it depends. You know, if it's been five years and they haven't had a tetanus, then they probably should get a repeat booster. If it's been like a year and they're up to date, then they're probably okay, depending on how severe the wound is. Because if you're, you know... Um, on a motorcycle and you had like a deep wound with all kinds of dirt in there. I mean, it's difficult to get every last piece out. So you might want to consider <clears throat> getting a booster um, based on your risk.
Hmm. Yeah. What, what some stuff that can come from that? Let's say you didn't get a tetanus shot and you did get a deep wound. What, what's stuff that can come from the tetanus infection? So the, the big things are the, uh, the risk for infection and the inability to really um, treat the infection appropriately because it is so deep. And so... Um, just like any other uh, deep penetrating wound, um, if it's on the surface, you might be able to wash it off. You can, you know, cut it out even almost. If it's deep, then you're you're cutting. What are you cutting? You're cutting bone. You're cutting tissue. Mm. You're cutting stuff. You're losing an arm or leg uh. because uh, you can't get that infection controlled. And that's typically what we would see if um, there was infection in the bone. That's why we're really you know sensitive about infections happening in the bone because once you get in the bone it's really difficult to kind of get out um mm. and that's many times when we end up losing feet and or losing legs and so it's important we watch that closely wow yeah so moving on i think we'll we'll start with the uh with a big one so recently the 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 big the big covid 19 mm -hmm. and when that hit us the uh the covid vaccine came out and and all of a sudden we had doctors everywhere mm -hmm. we had doctors on every every other house turned into professional <laughs> experts but with five minutes of, with all due respect with five minutes of youtube with we we went from 20 years of college to uh, a night of youtube turned right. into this expert mm -hmm. so um um what happened what happened so we had this vaccine come out um we we, we literally were watching people die this vaccine came out and all of a sudden it was we went from a war, a, a country or, or a place where vac vaccinations were just the thing we did to now all of a sudden half of us just did not get vaccinated mm -hmm. yeah that's that's you know that is a a very interesting historical um point in our lives uh to have a major pandemic happen in our lifetime is uh, I know the last one was again 1918. You know the the, the large uh, flu pandemic, millions of people you know died. Um, you know COVID 19 again. You know um, you know millions of people died. So uh, the vaccine. There's a lot of components to the vaccine, um, and and I think just being you know straightforward and factual is the best um, uh, plan of attack. And so we do have vaccines. Um, uh, the uh, they. They did slash do work, um, and I think the defining for the listeners and ourselves, what does a vaccine really do? Uh, the vaccine you know, helps uh, our bodies recognize uh, pathogens or organisms that could cause disease. Does it stop them in totality? No. So, and I'm gonna use a lot of examples, right? So you had your tetanus booster. Could you still get tetanus? Yeah, we just talked about that. It depends how dirty the wound is. You had your flu shot. Did you, can you still get flu? Yes, you can still get flu if the variants don't match and they don't have a good ma uh, mix of uh, uh, flu strains in your flu shot. You can still get flu. Uh, can you get uh, an ear infection even though you had your pneumococcal and your homophilus influenza vaccine? Yes, I see it all the time. Um, can still get ear infections. So can you still get COVID after you got your COVID vaccine? Yes. I mean, because um, there could be a variety of things. You could be overweight. You could be taking immune suppressed medications. You could have asthma. You could have bad luck. You um, could um, uh, have a variety of reasons why you got COVID, um, despite the fact you got the vaccine. So I think there was a lot of um, uh, perceptions that I got the vaccine, I'm safe. And mm. I mean, that's and that's I think just the 
human intellect, right? It's like the immediate gratification thing. Yeah. Like I want a candy bar, I'm gonna buy the candy bar. Ah, oh, I'm done. I want a car, buy the car. Oh, I'm done. I want the vaccine, I don't get the disease. What? I got the I got the <laughs> disease. You know, you know lies. You know, you know it's it's it didn't it didn't happen. So I think just coming to that uh, type of uh, um, middle ground is an is an important part. You can still get COVID nineteen after the vaccine. Now, now we have variants, right? So thankfully, there's a little bit of uh, similarity in terms of you know flu and flu strains. Um, the mixing of flu, picking of flu strains uh, to make up the flu uh, um, vaccine for the upcoming year. It's based on you know the best um, evidence and models that they have you know in the world. But as we just talked about, you can still have the flu after you have this flu vaccine. So it's kind of a best guess. Same thing with the variants in the COVID uh, or the uh, coronavirus. So initially we had Delta. Everyone knows this stuff, right? You mentioned about experts. Everyone's an epidemiological expert yeah. <laughs> and a virologist. So we had the Delta variant. Now they had the BA1 variant. Now the BA2, 3, 4. Now we're in the 4, 5 variants right now, the predominant strain. You know, it's, it's, it's it, to be simplistic, you know, is the Delta the same as BA4? Not exactly. And so, yes, you could get COVID again from uh, uh, um, from a coronavirus, even though you've had the vaccine. And even since you've had the uh, the uh, you've had COVID before. So we're seeing a lot of that. Right. So what are we doing? Maybe some more vaccines. So we tweak the vaccine a little bit like we do with the the flu. Get a get another uh, vaccine, because based on our evidence, we've seen the uh, immune system kind of weighing down for um, the initial shot, so we give a second shot. Um, we should probably get a booster because based on the different strains and the waning immunity, uh, if you're at risk, uh, then maybe you should get it, then maybe you should get a booster. Should you get a second booster? And that's where people who have a increased risk for uh, dying from COVID outweighs the, um, uh, the benefit or the, the risk of actually complications from the vaccine. So the uh, so if you're and you, that's all an individual kind of individual choice and that's why it wasn't mandated you know for the second um, it's recommended but no one's gonna say like you have to get your vaccine so uh, if you're heart transplant kidney transplant lung transplant if you're on you know prednisone you have uh, emphysema you're taking prednisone all the time or you have uh, rheumatoid arthritis or you have psoriatic arthritis you're taking some type of immune suppressive medication then yeah you might want to consider getting that second booster um, or if it's a personal choice and you're comfortable with the risk benefit type of picture then then you might want to consider getting the second booster um, again breaking my own HIPAA did I get my second booster yeah I got my second booster because I'm a little overweight and I have asthma and um, I had a uh, large trip planned to Mexico, and I don't know what I was going to encounter in Mexico, deep Mexico. So I felt risk benefit. I want to be around to serve my people, to uh, protect and provide for my family. Risk benefit for me. I want a second booster, and so I was okay, I was okay with that that risk. So a lot of things kind of played into, you know, the vaccine and who should and should not get it. Is it working? Is it not working? Who should get it? Who should not get it? Um, and then, then we get into the political issues of, you know, yeah. mandating vaccines. Indian Health Council has been empowering Native wellness for over 50 years. We continue to do so with services like our mobile pantry, where you can receive free and nutritious food for you and your family. Join us at our Rincon facility 
on the second Tuesday of every month or on the fourth Tuesday of every month at our Santa Isabel location between 10 and 11 a.m. Upon arriving, you'll receive a variety of pre-packaged dry goods and bulk produce. The mobile pantry is open to all families and community members. Both of our sites are following all COVID-19 health and safety guidelines as recommended by the CDC at this time. Upon arriving, please stay in your vehicle and wear a mask when coming to receive your food and practice safe social distancing. We look forward to seeing you at our mobile pantry, and we thank you for listening to this podcast. Indian Health Council, empowering Native wellness since 1970. Me, you. Hi, I am Dr. Dan Kalak, Chief Medical Officer at Indian Health Council and a member of the Association of American Indian Physicians and the Palma Band of Lusanyu Indians. In 1971, American Indian and Alaskan Native Physicians launched AEIP to improve and protect the health of Indigenous cultures. AEIP encourages all American Indians and Alaskan Natives eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine to get vaccinated to preserve our tribal cultures for future generations. Uh, as you know, many uh, public universities you know, require vaccines uh, for their students in order to get enrolled. Most of the, actually all the UCs and the, the University of California system and then the California State University systems require vaccines. And they also require other vaccines as well, tetanus boosters, and they also require meningococcal uh, vaccines, like the disease you had mentioned that uh, affected your hearing because these, uh, these kids um, right now, for the public, we're all sitting in a room that's about 12 by 12 feet. And so uh, many of uh, students that are uh, go to college are sitting in a room that's half this size, mm. maybe like two thirds you know, this size. It's very tight. And so you're breathing the same air, you're, you're breathing the same you know, water droplets and so forth. So that's why you know, they wanna make sure that they're protecting the students because no one wants their child to get sick when they're in college in the beginning of their life. So uh, I think, Sorry if I'm taking over, you guys cut me off, but what are some of the, is there legitimate side effects from these vaccines? Mm. And, and what, what are, if there is, what are they? What are they? So it, it depends on the uh, age group there. Um, so again, and the vaccines as well. So, you know, there was an association with um, uh, a couple of associations. One is like myocarditis, which is a inflammation of uh, the heart, myo, muscle, um, card, heart, inflammation, itis. So inflammation of the heart muscle, that was associated with some of the vaccines. There was also an association with uh, another one of the vaccine, the single shot vaccine, that um, was associated with uh, a large blood clot in uh, in the in the head, uh, one of the main main veins draining in the head. And so, for that reason, um, favor Wayne for that. And also, there was a big you know black label for uh, those uh, individuals receiving that vaccine. Watch out for these symptoms if you have that. So. Um, in addition to regular kind of common side, vaccine side effects like um, um, nausea, vomiting, muscle ache, soreness, the only, only other major additional risk is uh, something called Guillain-Barre. So Guillain-Barre is, uh, uh, the technical word is ascending paralysis where you have a uh, weakness and or um, paralyzed um, lower legs, you know, kind of moving up to um, your, your chest and potentially your whole body. Now, are those very common? Um, no. Um, do you see them with other vaccines? Yes. Do you, does it happen with the flu vaccine? Yes. Does it happen with people taking methamphetamine and drugs? Yes. 
So, I mean, it's not strictly related to calf, uh, to these vaccines. It can be related to all kinds of activities, including just viruses that we get um, on a daily basis. Um, can you get it from, as I mentioned, the flu? Yes, you can get uh, Guillain-Barre, you can get myocarditis. But I think people become hyper-focused on the fact that the vaccine you know, is new, it's a new disease, it's relatively unknown, and uh, there are side effects associated with it, and um, they're uh, a little fearful uh, of that. And not getting, as you mentioned at the very beginning of our talk, the correct information and kind of making uninformed choices based on you know, five minutes to, you know, let's just say 40 hours on the internet doing their, doing their research. And so 40 minutes, uh, even 40 hours does not really compare to eight years of uh, medical education that the mm -hmm. typical doctor typically has. You know, four years of undergrad, four years of medical school, three to maybe eight years of uh, uh, advanced uh, graduate study. So talking, you know, a good 15, almost 20 years of their lives, you know, looking at this stuff and, and learning it. So it's important, again, to kind of consider all forms of information, especially, especially how the patient's feeling, because I think that's where there was a big distance in the, uh, the patients and the parents feeling like, I'm being forced to do something. And right. everyone knows that people don't like to be forced to do right. anything, you know. Right. So that that's an important, very important part about yeah. getting the information right. It was scary. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. scary. There was mm -hmm. talk of like the roads getting shut down with a big vaccine line right. And, right. and you had to or else, you know, you know. So I think that's where people kind of put up their hands and wanted to fight, you know. Right. So it got scary. I think at first it was more of a pandemic where people just didn't know where what to do, right? And um, should I get my shot? Oh, you got in front of me, right? Remember that? People yeah. were fighting. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there wasn't enough, a shortage. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the information, I think, as it was being processed, the information, nobody, the, even even the designers and, and, the, and the medical professionals still didn't know. And so everybody's trying to gather the information that was still not, not really known yet. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so people are speculating on their own. Yeah, and you have everyone, you know, repeating these myths that, you know, males are can't reproduce after a right, vaccination. Right. Just like, did you do your research? Right. And then, and then you, like you mentioned, the government, mm -hmm. you know, comes in and, and people kind of having their, their issues there. So it was just a, a big, huge storm, you know. But uh, have, we, have we got to a place now where we've moved past the virus and, 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 the, and the vaccines are, are, are taking, are winning? Are the vaccines winning over the virus? No, we're kind of, I think, in that flu picture, you know, where we're going to have something that not really happens cyclically um, with, uh, like, the flu that happens, you know, cough and cold flu seasons, uh, cough and cold seasons, but something that's, you know, there all the time. Hopefully, it'll come to a point where the uh, variance and the infectivity of the virus is minimal, so we're dealing more with a common cold mm -hmm. than we are, you know, people who are um, in the hospital on ventilators. Um, but mm. it's so so early, you know, in uh, in in the whole process. Um, so it's it's uh, it's important just to continue to protect yourselves. You know, be educated. You know, be informed. Get a uh, vaccine and or a booster if you're so inclined or you're at risk. Um, you know, don't think that you're not at risk. Uh, sadly and so unfortunately, we've had some uh, families and you know very young people lose their lives, and uh, it's. Um, it's not not a lot of people. You know, of course, we've we've had more people who are uh, more affected with diseases um, like you know over obesity, or hypertension, and asthma, and other uh, major diseases that have um, uh, succumbed to COVID. But um, 
there's really no reason why we should have lost uh, a lot of young people in uh, in the whole process. And I'm talking not only children. I think there's been uh, I think the latest statistics are like 400 children, um, and each one of those children are is you know catastrophic. We should never have. Oh, yeah. it's, it's always terrible when, when children die. But also 20s and 30s, um, and we know of individuals who uh, have succumbed to the uh, illness and. They're relatively healthy. They look healthy, and for some reason, it just takes a wicked turn, and they end up in the hospital, and uh, and they uh, have a very unfortunate event. Hmm. Yeah, devastating. Yes, it is devastating. So yeah. we're still, um, I see, still providing vaccines for COVID, right? That is right. Yes, we provide vaccines here on site. Um, please check the flyers that uh, are updated every month uh, for our vaccines. And uh, we're also offering uh, our um, new vaccines um, from six months to 59 months. So the newer vaccines that have uh, they're offering to that younger population. So is, is that just excuse me, is that the one that just came out? That, and what is that? So it's, it's the same vaccine It's just uh, formulated for the, the younger population. Uh, there is another one that just came out and that we're uh, looking at uh, possibly having that's that's made in a more traditional way the other vaccines um, that we give regularly uh, uh, are made. So we're looking at procuring that one to offer people choices if they're more comfortable with how um, vaccines were formally made and given uh, versus how these vaccines were were made um, and distributed uh, for uh, for use. But the bottom takeaway takeaway point is that we are offering those um, six months to 59 months, um, you know, six month old children up to uh, five years of age, that vaccine as well. It's uh, one vaccine and another booster um, shortly thereafter. So uh, we've only don't we've only provided about ten vaccines uh, to date for those individuals. So not a lot of people are interested in vaccine vaccinating their uh, their children, but um, it, I think that runs true uh, for um, for the population as a whole uh, across the United States, as well as our population, that if you're less than 50, you're less inclined to actually get vaccinated. For some reason, there's a feeling of uh, mistrust, uh, misinformation, and um, uh, the, uh, the, the the lack of you know, wanting to get vaccinated if you're less than 50. And uh, that's that's seen across the United States, and you know this vaccine hesitancy and resistance, um, you know, still persists even in the American Indian population. So, really want to get the word out for for clients to consider, you know, getting informed, looking at the information, consider getting vaccinated, and consider getting vaccinated with this newer. Uh, actually, it's not newer; it's just it's uh, older technology. Just and uh, it just carries the COVID uh, protection that uh, that you could uh, you could receive. So. If you had your tetanus shot, it's like kind of getting your tetanus shot, except it's for COVID vaccine. It's kind of that same technology. Again, a lot of people were hesitant about the technology uh, mm. component of it. And it's, it, you know, it's, and again, it's something you really want to, again, take to heart that we were getting feedback about people, you know, getting implanted with microchips, you know, nanotechnology, um, you know, you know, really, you know, missed uh, uh, or not trusting that whole process. And so you can see where, you know, there, there could be a lot of variation in why people do not want to get vaccinated because of, you know, microchips or now, and which you know, obviously does not exist. But again, the, the imaginations and some of the, the, the concerns were, uh, were, were out there in every shape and form. Mm-hmm. So, Thank uh, you for the information, Doc. Um, 
Can I ask one more question? I know I know we, we've been on for a little bit. Oh, really? I have, I have a, two more things, but one more thing. But go okay. ahead. Ask your question. Go ahead. Oh, me? Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> human papillomavirus, so HPV vaccine. So really have to get the word out uh, for our community for HPV vaccine. Uh, myself, uh, Cyril Johnson, or Cyril Johnson, um, uh, our infection control officer, uh, Sai, and uh, our medical team, as well as the Four Pillars Dental uh, Pharmacy and Behavioral Health, really behind getting the word on about uh, HPV vaccine. Not only is it the, the week, um, um, uh, but also the fact that a lot of our rates for human uh, papillomavirus uh, or the HPV vaccine are very low. Um, why are they low? Um, it's typically given um, about um, 12 years of age, but we've decreased it to like, you can give it early, as early as nine years of age. And there was, again, a lot of misinformation. There was some YouTube videos of a girl walking backwards and she couldn't walk forwards anymore. And I would, that was told to me, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 different times. Like, I don't want to have my kid not walk forwards anymore. Look what it did to this kid. And uh, that does not happen. Um, the same risks uh, kind of apply to some of these same uh, these other vaccines. And the, the, the HPV vaccine or HPV has been around almost for like 15, almost 20 years because it was out when I was you know, actually just graduating. So... Um, uh, what does it do? It really protects you against um, human papillomavirus. There are certain strains that are uh, more uh, likely to cause disease than other strains. These HPV vaccines protect against certain strains that cause disease. What disease? They can cause uh, a form of inflammation. Uh, they can cause uh, on the cervix, which is the opening uh, right there in the uterus. Um, uh, uh, for a female, or they can cause genital warts, which can be on the outside uh, in the genital area or um, in the genital area on a, a male as well. Um, those genital warts can be treated um, if left alone sometimes. Uh, just due to this virus, they can actually form uh, cancer. And so we want to protect against any topical you know, cancers that may form because of these certain viral strange, strains that the uh, vaccine can prevent. There's also, um, what we're seeing more recently, is uh, uh, a problem with head and neck cancers. So uh, you can have uh, that same virus in your mouth and in your neck and in, uh, in around your face. And so we want to avoid that happening to, um, to people in general. That typically doesn't present until they're in their 30s and 40s up to their 50s. But um, if anyone has ever seen head and neck cancers, so I encourage uh, people who uh, may be on their computer and are able to tolerate some of the the uh, the pictures of head and neck cancers, you know, please go look and get informed about um, how devastating these head and neck cancers are. So we're not talking like a little spot and we can freeze it off. We're talking about you know removal of you know jaws, removal of you know sides of faces, removals of you know sides of necks that uh, can be devastating. And and the neck and the face are so complex in terms of their anatomy and there's not a lot you can't just simply just cut out everything's just so connected so in order to kind of cut something out you need to take a lot of the structures around it because it is very very complex in terms of uh, how we talk and how we eat and how we you know produce saliva so um uh, for that reason the hbv vaccine is something we really want to elevate to get our uh, our uh, our young adults uh, adolescents and adults up to age 26, um, their vaccines to make sure they're protected. Wow. Okay. That's a good. That's a that's a that's a big one. I, I thought it was around uh, 15 or 16 where you got the 
the young ladies, I always thought it was more uh, female focused, but but uh, and not until I was informed. We used to do. Uh, I used to do the uh, MIP. The uh, watch a YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Good old YouTube. No, the uh, uh, sex ed, uh, oh, the teen yeah. pregnancy prevention, and yeah. you guys taught us all about that. Yeah. So that was one of the uh, the the vaccines, but one of the uh, uh, lessons that we taught about. Yeah. Very important stuff. And you had one more thing you wanted to cover. You said you had two things. Uh, there was the other one was the uh, meningococcal vaccines, and so we talked a little bit about that in the past. But you know, we, that is that kind of same age group. Um, uh, there's uh, an, a, a different meningococcal vaccine that they had come out with, uh, meningococcal, uh, like a general one that covers three different strains, and is also meningococcal B that uh, that we're trying to get people vaccinated for. And again, it's in that same that same age group, young adolescents, um, in that same age group. And so we want to get them before they go off to college or before they stop coming in. It's important that they they do get their well child cares and regular yearly visits. Um, and then we can offer them the meningococcal. And it's important for the parents, actually, when they come in to be informed before they um, uh, bring their kids in. So uh, they're more likely to get their vaccines. Yeah. Keep that well child card. All the information's on there. You guys have it on the on their chart. Everything's on there as well. Oh, my gosh. That stuff is gold, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I have my vaccination card from, you know, 1966. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> really? And, oh, yes. It's, it's something my mother kept. And uh, you can't do anything without a vaccination card these days. I mean, if you want to travel, I mean, you have to Don't have, you, you know, yeah. certain vaccines. I got it on my phone now. Do you got it on your phone? Uh, yeah, I did actually yeah. sign up that with cool. uh, some of the electronic versions. But yeah. uh, very important that you uh, keep that safe. I get disappointed now when I when they don't ask for it. Like, you go through all <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, ready to go. And yeah, and then the, the people that don't have their back, I'm like, you know, you check theirs. Some of this technology hasn't caught up. You know, like I went to the hospital to visit somebody the other day, and I'm, I showed her my QR code, and the guy looks, what do you want me to do? You got to show me. Yeah. You got to do a hard copy. <laughs> right. You need a paper. Carry it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, I think uh, I think we've taken uh, enough of your time. Doctor, thank you. Anything, any, any other questions? We've got them here now. we got them locked in. Any, any last thing? I got one more thing if you guys don't. Please. please. By all I means. Could, <laughs> I, could go, I could go forever. The last thing, excuse me, is um, it's not really a vaccine, but it's really a testing Um uh, for as a screening is our uh, PPD program, so our, our uh, TB elimination initiative. And so we're working closely with the county, again, our infection control officer, Cy, uh, and then also with the county to really look at uh, screening for tuberculosis in the community. And I only mention it is because typically children, when they come in, before they go to preschool, some of the preschools are wanting uh, a TB screening. Um, and uh, be, uh, TB stands for tuberculosis, right, for the, for the audience. And so um, thankfully, we don't have a lot of tuberculosis, but um, the, uh, uh, the the goal of this program is to screen for tuberculosis. And for those people who are screened by um, having a little bubble placed on their left arm uh, that tests for the presence of exposure to tuberculosis. So if that little bubble in 48 to 72 hours gets really hard or there's something that spreads uh, out from the area, that means your body is sending immune cells to that area because it has seen tuberculosis and you are, uh, quote unquote, infected, but not actively having tuberculosis. And so people ask, like, well, how do I know I have tuberculosis? So I, um, I like to always point people in the direction of Tombstone. So in Tombstone, uh, the movie, Doc Holliday, played by Val Kilmer, had tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he was, and you remember from the scenes, he was coughing up blood, he was very pale, mm -hmm. he had lost a lot of weight, 
and uh, he had a chronic cough. And so those are signs and symptoms of active tuberculosis. Is it contagious? Uh, it is contagious, but not as contagious as we had once thought. Um, okay. Back in the early 20s and uh, 1910s, we sent people away to uh, sanitariums to, oh. because we thought fresh air would actually help them, but actually didn't really help them. Um, but we have great medications actually to, to help uh, uh, people who have uh, latent TB, meaning not active, but they're still infected. So uh, it's important to have your, yourself screened for tuberculosis um, on a regular basis, every you know two to three years, but especially if you're at risk. So if you're engaging in a lot of homeless population, people who are not getting regular health care, if you are exposed to an at-risk population, uh, like people who have been incarcerated, um, they're the close quarters there uh, predispose people to having tuberculosis. If uh, you're uh, and, uh, if you're um, treating and or engaging with people from other countries uh, who haven't been uh, treated or uh, have been screened for tuberculosis and or anyone having symptoms uh, like we mentioned that Doc Holiday had, then yes, you definitely want to um, kind of isolate and tell your pe- uh, your uh, physician. Uh, to get screened as well as the um, your family, because if there's a positive case, we end up testing everyone yeah. in the family. Um, tuberculosis is very unique. It's um, uh, there's no vaccine for it yet. They're working on it, but um, it can go anywhere. It can go in the bone. It can go in the lungs. It can go in the brain. It can go in the kidneys. So it's it's something that can manifest everywhere, especially in children. So um, that's why we want to make sure that uh, um, the people who are exposed and are infected get treated, and we test everyone in the in the house because. Um, uh, children can have it and not know it. So we want to make sure that uh, they're treated. That's all I got. It's a lot of stuff. You got more, and, and that's why we're going to try to keep you on on a regular basis. Yeah, that's yeah. I think we got Dr. Davidson coming in, too, in a couple oh, of weeks. Oh, she's great. She's oh, great. Yeah. A lot of good stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I know I know she's helped me with some stuff. So so uh, um, we really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, thank you. Uh, you, thank you, you, you guys are You guys really are, are what... Uh, what what people come in here for and 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 then they realize that they got we got all this other stuff out here too you know so so we try to do our part back here while you guys cover the front um, <laughs> but uh, i think getting the message out and, and promoting all the services is important but we really appreciate what you do here doc and 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 uh, uh we love you and we love what you do and we're proud of you and you do a great job and and we yeah. try to we try to hold up the back end here you guys are on the front yeah it's it's it's, it's great <laughs> yeah. i want to put a plug in for um if there's any questions you guys can reach out to yeah. me and then also um for our patient portal so mm-hmm. uh, if you um are a client at any health council you know and you come for an appointments please ask the front desk personnel about our patient portal uh it's an easy way to get a hold of us your providers send us a question send us an email you can look at your labs you can look at your appointments you can look at your uh your medical history and it's a great way to kind of contact us in a secure way um uh, if you've ever tried to call into a medical establishment you know any health council included but anywhere Palomar, <laughs> any health council any clinic you know it's you know the phone rings and so the patient portal is a great way to kind of send us a direct email and it just pops up on our electronic chart and then we can help your uh, questions get answered so big plug for the patient portal awesome I think I think you've spoiled us though with with just your phone number. How many how many people out there have Dr. Clack's personal number? So the pay, we need to get away from you giving out your number and just start plugging the patient portal. That's yeah, no, Dr. Clack. I didn't realize be. that I was so. In, I didn't realize how close this community was until one night I called Dr. Clack and he answered, and I was like, Doc, I need you, and he was there. 
That's no. the thing is that you thought you thought you were the only one that had it, and uh, my, George uh, thought you were special. Inez was just looking at me to do something, and and I I just called Doctor Clack. Didn't expect him to answer. Sure enough, he answered. Answer. I'm like, hey, no, that's that's the way it should be. That's yeah. the message, huh? That's the way. That's so the next doctor who takes my place, you know, that's why I've been I've been brainwashing your kids, George. You know, trying to get them to be doctors, and so they'll be in that same boat. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, we just call our doctor. Uh, yep, that's cool. Well, that's C. awesome. Yep. Yeah, so thank you. Thank, thank you for joining us and uh, blessing us with some information and education. Thank you. Thank oh, you very yes. much. Call me back anytime. Until we see you again, and uh, uh, thank you guys for listening. This is the IHC What About Life podcast, and you guys take it easy out there. Indian Health Council's What About Life podcast is made possible by the Prevention and Early Intervention Program funded by the County of San Diego Mental Health Services Act. Indian Health Council's Behavioral Health Hotline can be reached Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. by calling 760-751-6004. That's 760-751-6004. If you're outside of Indian Health Council service area and are experiencing a mental health emergency in San Diego, call the San Diego Access and Crisis Line at 1-888-724-7240. That's the San Diego Access and Crisis Line at 1-888-724-7240. Or call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255 for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Help is available. All you have to do is reach out for it. Indian Health Council. Empowering Native Wellness since 1970. Thank you for listening to the What About Life podcast from Indian Health Council. Please take a moment and make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss a single new episode. The views and opinions expressed by those interviewed on the What About Life podcast, including all program participants, are solely their own current opinions regarding events and are based on their own perspective and opinion. It is the opinion and perspective of the interviewees and the hosts. Such views, opinions, and or perspectives are intended to convey a life story or based on recollections about events in their lives on which conflicting memories may exist and are not intended to malign any individual, religion, ethnic group, or company. The views and opinions expressed do not reflect the views or opinions of Indian Health Council, Inc., or the companies with which any program participants, interviewees are or may be affiliated. The What About Life podcast is a production of the Health Promotions and Marketing Department at Indian Health Council and is funded through the Prevention and Early Intervention Program from the County of San Diego HHSA Mental Health Services Act. What About Life is produced and edited by David S. Dawson, executive produced by Beth Turner. Our research team and hosts are George Pojas, Arturo Calvo, Jason Levine, and Marissa Yepa. This episode of What About Life is the copyright of Indian Health Council, Inc.